Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of ANC's Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. Alright, so for today's podcast, we're joined by Ms. Leia Guerrero. She's the country director for the Philippines of Greenpeace uh, Southeast Asia. Thank you very much for joining us, Leia. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. First time for me. Okay. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about uh, a very important, uh, I'd like to call it ruling for lack of a better choice or or findings coming from the Philippine Commission on Human Rights. This is a big story as far as environment groups or activists are concerned. But uh, based on my observation only, uh, over the past uh, few days or more than a week ago, I don't Mm. think this has gotten... Uh, enough media mileage as far as the the mainstream media are concerned. So first, let's talk about the findings of the Commission on Human Rights when it comes to a petition, uh, which um, among the petitioners, of course, was uh, Southeast, uh, the, the Greenpeace Southeast Asia. What was this petition all about? Mm-hmm. Um, so the petition um, was uh, a plea for the Commission on Human Rights um, to issue a finding of responsibility uh, for 47 fossil fuel and cement companies um, for their uh, violation, uh, for the climate impacts of their activities, business activities that are leading to um, human rights violations of Filipinos. Okay, so Mm. in the first place, uh, what are the findings of the Commission on Human Rights based on the announcement by the commissioner in charge? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have five, yeah, Um, because we feel this is very landmark. Um, So the first um, thing that they mentioned is that um, they are the first to announce uh, that um, in a first announcement by a legal body, mm -hmm, by a constitutionally um, created body, mandated body, um, that uh, we are in a climate emergency. So that is the first announcement ever um, on in in an acknowledgement of that climate emergency in any country. Um, in I think so, okay. in any country. Um, and then um, the first uh, to identify the role of carbon majors, mm-hmm. um, that's uh, fossil fuel and cement companies, um, their, their role in anthropogenic climate change. Meaning okay. caused by humans, mm-hmm. human activity. Mm-hmm. So um, they acknowledged that these uh, fossil fuel companies and cement companies um, contributed to the carbon uh, buildup, yeah, to the greenhouse gas emissions uh, that is causing the climate impacts. Now, that has never been um, declared by a constitutionally mandated body. But it was, yeah. I think, the subject of a study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which so, was the basis of your petition. Yes. Now, just for, uh, let's just define the terms. When you talk about carbon majors, that might sound big to the ordinary listener, but it, that term basically refers to the big polluters. Mm-hmm. Yep. The so, biggest sources of polluters. Yes. Uh, so that's a pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, maybe mainly car- climate pollution. Okay. Yeah. Um, so these are around ninety to hundred companies identified in twenty thirteen in that study by Richard Heady mm-hmm. that you mentioned. So previously it was only in scientific studies. Now it is in uh, in a legal document. Yeah. Uh, it will be <laughs> once mm-hmm. the. Um, report comes out. Uh, because we're still waiting for the formal report to come out. But this announcement mm-hmm. was already made by Commissioner Roberto Cadiz mm-hmm. on the sidelines of uh, COP25 in Madrid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really looking forward to the study. Um, then the third thing um, that uh, they mentioned, and this is really a, a big first, um, uh, Com Cadiz announced that um, 
these carbon majors, the big polluters, can be held morally and legally liable for um, human rights violations arising from uh, climate impacts. So that is a big first anywhere in the world. Yeah. Morally and legally liable. Uh -huh. Can okay. be held morally and legally liable. Okay, first, mm -hmm. how did the petition, uh, how, how was the petition able to establish the link between the activities of these uh, fossil fuel companies and global warming and the impact on the lives of, of Filipinos? Mm -hmm. Um, so the hearings uh, for the petitions, uh, for that petition, um, relied a lot on scientific experts as well as community members. Um, so we had uh, Filipinos impacted uh, by um, extreme weather events and slow onset impacts. Um, and then we had um, scientific experts um, who corroborated what um, these uh, witnesses, community witnesses said. So these scientific experts were also um, witnesses. Um, now, but what was the claim mm -hmm. in the first place in your petition? Mm -hmm. the, the effect of uh, global warming, for example, the carbon buildup, uh, the, the relationship of those to uh, extreme weather events and how it, it affected the lives or livelihood of the people. Mm -hmm. um, so we used a lot of scientific studies um, to prove um, that climate change um, has been caused by the uh, cumulative emissions since the Industrial Revolution. Um, and, uh, and using also the study by Richard Heady um, that accounted, <laughs> he did an accounting of um, which um, companies were most responsible um, for the emissions that were, uh, have accumulated in our atmosphere. Because what we're feeling right now is actually um, from uh, cumulative emissions, it's not what we emitted this year, for Or example. last year or a decade ago. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, so he computed all that. And we used those studies uh, to prove um, that um, the human rights violations that Filipinos are feeling um, from climate impacts, loss of lives, loss of livelihoods, loss of shelter, etc., um, is being caused by uh, climate change impacts. Now, why did you decide to frame mm -hmm. the issue from a human rights lens? Because I think that's uh, one of the things that can be considered as landmark in this ruling, the mm -hmm. human rights framing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, because um, although the human rights framing, this is not a first in terms of human rights framing, but this is the first in terms of legally establishing yeah. mm -hmm. that human rights framing. Which why, is, why did yeah. you decide to do that? Uh -huh. Um, because no one has done it before. <laughs> no one has yet um, legally established um, the relationship between um, climate impacts that are being felt from pe by people and uh, the activities of fossil fuel companies. Um, and if you look at uh, I, uh, um, our, the statements of our community um, witnesses, a lot of them before before they knew about climate change, et cetera. Um, it was just about, you know, this is normal. Um, that um, the typhoons happen, we're losing crops, it's all normal, it's just, we just need to cope. And that's the um, normal perspective of people. They think that, okay, things are getting worse, but we have no other way of doing anything except coping. In your case, you gave them the reason mm -hmm, yeah. why these things are happening. Because yes. I think the common framing coming from the government is that this is the new normal, mm -hmm. so we should do a lot of things to at least mitigate because mm -hmm. this is something that we cannot avoid. Mm -hmm. But in a human rights frame, um, when there is a human rights violation, there is a violator. Yeah, And who is that violator? So this um, petition that we put forth to the Commission on Human Rights um, established who that violator is. And the violator is 
um, the fossil fuel companies who were responsible for the cumulative emissions globally. Now, the main basis mm-hmm. of your petition, I understand, is the study by mm-hmm. Richard Heady. Mm-hmm. But how are you able to identify the 47 fossil fuel companies? Mm-hmm. Um, so Richard Heady identified around 90 uh, fossil fuel companies. Um, but here, uh, for our petition, um, we uh, pinpointed the 47 investor-owned uh, fossil fuel and cement companies um, because uh, that was our focus uh, because we thought that the scope of 90 uh, was quite big. Um, but if uh, in in Commissioner Cadiz's announcement last Monday in Madrid, um, he said that um, there needs to be um, an additional process to also hold the state-owned fossil fuel and cement companies responsible for climate harms. And how many of the 47 mm-hmm. investor-owned fossil fuel companies are actually operating here in the Philippines? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are Not all of them, right? Uh, not all of them are operating in the Philippines. Uh, to name, um, those yeah. who are operating here, the biggest one is Shell, um, and then there's also ExxonMobil, Chevron, um, Holcim, Lafarge, uh, but I think um, they've merged now. Um, so those are, in total, yeah, uh, those are the biggest uh, fossil fuel companies named in that petition that are operating here in the Philippines. Mm. Now, w- w- how come you were able to, how come you decided to include the others which are not exactly operating here? Because that might be a common question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think um, it wasn't a matter of just identifying which were the ones in the Philippines because the while the they're not they don't have offices in the Philippines, the case itself is about the the cumulative um, the emissions that happened globally in by short, global companies. In short, the impact is borderless. Yeah, uh-huh. you don't have exactly. a uh, <laughs> an immigration station. Yeah, to check that uh, your the impact of your operation stops here. Yes, it doesn't uh, work that way. Uh huh. Um, and that is one of the other um, questions that will arise. Are the um, you've uh, raised a very good point about you know where where does climate litigation now go after this? Because um, everything is so global. Um, so can um, states actually hold companies that are not operating in their country responsible for um, the harms that they're experiencing? Um, and with this case, I think the answer is yes. Like how? Because I th- I don't think mm-hmm. that would be an easy fight for, for groups like yours, despite this landmark um, ruling or findings coming from the CHR. Mm-hmm. Um, what what this case will... We think that this case has opened up a very uh, big opportunity uh, for states to make laws um, that align with the findings. Um, so if we say... Um, fossil fuel companies are legally and morally responsible and they have the responsibility to, moving forward, invest, uh, make their investments in line with the Paris Agreement 1.5 goal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I think that uh, with that ruling, um, the international, uh, the human rights body can recommend to the uh, government, um, policymakers, etc. Um, they can make uh, a recommendation to make laws that will hold these companies accountable. Because the Commission on Human Rights, um, it's uh, basically a recommendatory body. It yeah. recommends, monitors, investigates. And um, that is the value of the investigation um, that they have done. D- don't you fear that mm-hmm. somehow this decision, la- landmark as it is, can end up being ignored? Just ignored? 
by the other uh, agencies of government. For example, because you know the the context of the CHR in the Philippines, it's not considered as one of the strongest bodies mm-hmm. in our government structure. So there's fear that this might just be ignored by Congress, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, um, we don't really fear um, that the finding will be ignored um, because if you look at, for example, how provinces, um, local government units are reacting to uh, the climate emergency. Um, some of them have declared a climate emergency. A lot of them um, around uh, for have supported this investigation. Um, and moving forward, I think, because um, if you look at how we've coped with it, it's also always a local government that has put out money for um, coping um, mm-hmm. and for rehabilitation um, of, their, uh, of the affected communities and sites. Um, moving forward, I think that um, there will be impetus for them to use it um, to uh, redress uh, the violations that happened in their um, jurisdiction or to, uh, for example, uh, I think it's a strong basis for them to create a claim yeah, for uh, damages, etc. Mm-hmm. So, so meaning not just in the Philippines, mm-hmm. they can also, for example, Greenpeace Southeast Asia, you can also go around the world and say, we've won this case. This is a basis this established the moral and legal responsibility of these companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it would be great if um, other um, human rights institutions in other countries um, would follow suit, yeah, because um, it's the, the, this body is present in other countries, um, and this uh, case, uh, we've already built a lot of evidence, etc. They won't be starting from scratch. So this, this case has actually built the biggest um, repository of evidence for um, the, the responsibility of carbon majors on human, uh, human rights violations from climate impacts. Okay. Now let's talk about the Philippines. Mm-hmm. The Philippines being the venue of this case that you filed. We know that the Philippines is always, you know, we have been used to disasters. Typhoons, we, ha- we had Typhoon Haiyan or Yolanda before. So how important is it for, for, for us that this decision came out coming from the Commission on Human Rights of the Philippines? given the context that we have now when it comes to disasters? Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, the main importance um, is that it shows that we're not, uh, what do you call it? We're not helpless, yeah. This is the biggest, I think, contribution that um, this case has had to communities um, because um, a lot of the communities that we worked for, um, when we approached them, for example, as witnesses, they thought that, you know, um, w- uh, in Tagalog, wala na kaming magagawa. Yeah. They felt helpless? Yes. Or um, resigned to, mm-hmm, to the fact that they could, no, they, they could not do anything about it? Yes. Like, it's, this is just it. This is life. Yeah. And, and how were you able to mm-hmm. convince them to testify? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, working with the communities and letting them know about you know, climate change, how it happened, what's happening, for example, with why the fish catch is uh, being depleted or why um, the weather um, is not uh, the same as before when um, their crop yield was a lot higher, etc. Can you talk mm-hmm. about, uh, let's say, a specific case? Let's say you're mm-hmm. talking with a fisherman and how you explained uh, the, the human rights framing of what was happening to him or his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the petition that we had, one of the witnesses was a fisherman. Uh, um, and he was uh, talking about how they didn't have enough catch anymore. Um, and uh, the typhoons were also affecting 
um, how they would uh, catch fish because they couldn't go out. Where um, was this? Yeah. Where was this? Um, this was in Bataan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were... Uh, the way that we approached it uh, was uh, mainly community organizing, going there, uh, talking to them about, you know, um, what is climate change, what's happening, um, getting experts um, to also let them know that, you know, um, why is this happening? Um, how, how are you being affected? And then I think um, the turning point for them is knowing that um, they are not helpless. That is the biggest thing, um, to let them know that they're not victims. Um, they are survivors and they can, uh, there is a way for them to fight uh, for their survival. Um, and that is, that is really, <laughs> I think, um, one of the biggest things that we've contributed to the communities because of this, that um, they know that um, they have a way to um, reclaim their dignity. So, so how many survivors or victims uh, did you present during the hearings at the CHR? Mm -hmm. Um, so we had around 26 to 30 of survivors, um, individual witnesses, um, during the hearings at the CHR. Mm -hmm. And what was their story, basically? Um, different uh, stories. They were from different parts of the Philippines. Um, Example, the victims of Typhoon Haiyan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a victim, uh, we had a survivor of Typhoon Haiyan who was there, um, and she told her story about um, how, how they were uh, isolated. Uh, for several weeks without food, without water near the seaside. Uh, we had a fisherman uh, from Bataan um, who talked about decreasing fish catch, um, how they're unable, how, how their livelihood has completely changed um, over the years. Um, and there were other survivors of other typhoons like um, Typhoon Pablo, etc. So, so basically, uh, is, my, is my understanding correct that uh, the way you, you laid out the, the case was first... You based it on the science, on the study by Richard Heady, mm -hmm. which established the connection that this was uh, this this uh, carbon buildup over the past several generations until now, uh, were actually the uh, the the result of human activities, right? Mm -hmm. And then you focused on the witnesses, mm -hmm. the survivors who actually experienced the mm -hmm. impact, right? Yes, yes, and it's different impacts. It's both extreme weather events and slow onset climate impacts but, but during your conversations with the with the survivors uh, was it difficult for you to make them realize that uh, hey guys what's happening to you now is actually the result of this and we can do something about it mm -hmm. um it i don't think it was that difficult um because um they're all looking for meaning <laughs> maybe for what was happening um with them um, and uh, for us, uh, we started with making them tell their stories. Um, really, um, it starts with them relating, you know, what happened to them, um, why they were, they were feeling this. And um, there was a certain, we felt that um, they felt a certain uh, freedom um, in talking about their experiences, especially the typhoon um, survivors who went through very, very, very traumatic um, events. Um, and that was, uh, I think, um, the start of them also questioning, you know, why is this happening to me? Why is it not, um, uh, is, it, is, it, is my only choice just to cope and just to accept that, um, you know, my family members will die, my, flood, my house will be forever flooded, etc. Um, and uh, making them realize that this will not, uh, this is actually, um, there is a reason why this is happening. Um, and there are um, people or 
businesses that made this happen um, was kind of uh, groundbreaking also for them to realize, I think. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember when you for, when you filed this case uh, in 2015, I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, huh, but I don't think it got uh, a very substantial uh, level of awareness and coverage coming from the local media. But if you talk about the international media, especially those that are actually focused on the impact of climate change and global warming, they really focused a good part of their coverage on what was happening here in the Philippines. Why do you think there's a disparity? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, a lot of um, foreign news agencies covered this story. Um, but here in the Philippines, not a lot of local agencies did. I think it's um, also because there's uh, we don't have a lot of um, climate stories um, in the Philippines, um, not a lot of environmental reporting um, happening now um, locally. But maybe because it's also maybe um, advertising, we know that these are really, really big uh, companies that are entrenched in our political and economic systems. Um, and it's hard to go against them. Uh, for example, when you're, uh, the media agencies uh, perhaps also get um, advertising um, from these institutions. Um, in the uh, abroad, the coverage um, was from a lot of um, climate uh, uh, news agencies that were really covering just climate issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I understand the the the, uh, the respondents here, the, the 47 uh, fossil fuel companies, they did not participate in the hearings, right? Yes. Um, so um, none of them um, went to the hearings. The first reaction that came from them was to uh, junk um, the petition, um, was to uh, have it dismissed um, and to say that the CHR did not have jurisdiction yeah. over the topic. Um, but uh, thankfully, um, the CHR hurdled that, um, and they proved that they do have jurisdiction over it. Um, and none of them officially participated. Uh, but we know that during the hearings in the Philippines, in London, and in New York, um, there were representatives um, from these fossil fuel companies, but they didn't identify themselves. But now that uh, the, um, the the ruling is out, um for all intents and purposes, because of the announcement coming from Commissioner Caddies, can the can these companies still afford to ignore the findings? I don't think so. Especially the finding. Uh, what Commissioner Caddies said was the there is a really strong moral and legal responsibility um, that these companies must acknowledge um, based on this uh, the findings um, from the petition. First, we think that um, this. Uh, this fi- the findings from the Commission on Human Rights will reshape law. Um, the lawmakers can no longer ignore um, that these companies must have a responsibility over the human rights violations arising from climate impacts that Filipinos are experiencing. Um, and then second, um, what uh, Commissioner Cadiz also said that was um, according to their findings, um, they believe that um, business as usual is no longer acceptable. Um, and that is uh, why he said that, uh, I believe that's why he said that, uh, that's why uh, the moral responsibility uh, that they have found is very strong. Um, so um, companies now um, need to align with the goals of the Paris Agreement uh, to uh, limit uh, warming to 1.5 degrees. 
how about the criminal liability? Because that might be a common question coming from the ordinary observer. So, hey, here's a ruling coming from the CHR, but first, they need to understand the nature of the CHR decision or ruling. And number two, since the CHR ruling says that um, th these companies have the moral and the um, legal responsibility, the next logical question is, how about your criminal liability? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the other um, landmark thing, um, landmark declaration that came out of this uh, findings uh, as announced by uh, Commissioner Cadiz, um, that uh, fossil fuel companies, carbon majors, can be held accountable uh, under criminal law if there is willful obfuscation, climate denial, or uh, fraud um, that is found uh, with their uh, activities uh, related to their uh, the human rights and climate change impacts uh, findings that the CHR has done. Can we do that in mm -hmm. the Philippines following this ruling by the CHR? Um, what, uh, from what I understood that Commissioner Kadi said, um, so they could give the framework um, what, what this uh, petition has done and the findings from it um, gives a framework, but then um, it, it will reshape the law. It will... Uh, it's imperative um, that our lawmakers um, need to create laws that will hold these fossil fuel companies accountable. So there's no law yet? Uh-huh. So in uh, short, Greenpeace, for example, or the, mm -hmm. the witnesses that you presented during the hearings, they cannot go to local courts yet and look for any criminal responsibility or liability coming from these companies? Um, that's probably a yes and a no. Um, because... While there is no law yet, um, there are some legal avenues that can hold them accountable um, legally uh, for the harm. So the difference between um, what uh, moral accountability and legal accountability is when the moral accountability is established. Um, in legal accountability, there is uh, a uh, an imperative for them to redress right, the harms done. Um, the decision, the findings uh, from the CHR um, does not go beyond recommendations. Um, but if um, we are able um, to use these findings to, uh, to give, a, to present another, uh, not a petition, but a, an actual case uh, for legal liability of the companies, um, we do not have to wait uh, for the Philippines to make a law, uh, for example, that will hold uh, fossil fuel companies accountable uh, for climate harms, because there are already existing laws um, within our um, constitution um, that can be used uh, to establish these harms that they have done. L like what? Mm -hmm. how, will it how will it work? Um, huh, I think um, I'm not a legal expert. Um, Basically, I'm asking about the next uh -huh. logical move coming from Greenpeace, because you, you got this landmark... Uh, findings coming from the CHR. And mm -hmm. you're not the lone petitioner, by the way. Mm -hmm. There are several other petitioners uh, behind this case filed before the CHR. But what's the ne next logical move? Mm -hmm. um, another case is on the table, at this time not on the CHR. Um, and uh, some of our co-petitioners, for example, also have cases against um, fossil fuel companies, um, not necessarily the ones that are also in this petition, um, their coal plants, etc. Um, and they're using um, not the CHR as the venue to get their uh, the case 
across but local courts. Um, so there are laws uh, within the Philippines that can hold companies accountable. There are already mm -hmm. existing cases filed before local courts? Um, yes, for coal plants, for, for example. For coal plants, but, but, mm -hmm. uh, but specific to fossil fuel companies that were covered by the CHR case. Um, in the Philippines, I'm not familiar with any other case on um, oil companies, for but, example. But will that be the next case. step coming from Greenpeace, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, that is on the table, um, but right now we're still studying. We're, we're still waiting, actually, for the report uh, from CHR. I'm looking forward to reading that report uh, to see, you know, how else, how can we bring this forward? Mm -hmm. yeah. be because I think uh, the first time I saw this case, uh, when this was filed in 2015, uh, it seemed uh, clear, based on a reading of the petition, mm -hmm. who the bad guys or the good guys are, right? So I think the, 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 the impression coming from the big companies, from the big polluters was they were being demonized by this. And of course, they're questioning the science, I suppose, mm -hmm. not just the jurisdiction. But the case is out here already, and the decision is here. Of course, we're waiting for the official one. But w when you talk about this case, for example, is this something that... Uh, can just be relegated to a moral victory, but in the long run, people might just end up ignoring or not listening to what were found out during the, the hearings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we think this is a concrete victory and not just a moral victory um, because, uh, because the findings are so, uh, I think, uh, <laughs> the findings are big. <laughs> I don't know another word to say it, um, but they're very, they're groundbreaking findings it will inevitably reshape law. Um, the laws will have to change, or um, new laws will have to be made to hold these uh, fossil fuel companies accountable. Um, so we think that um, that is the biggest uh, thing, takeaway uh, from this uh, case, um, that um, laws after this are the policies uh, that the government makes need to take into account um, that uh, um, uh, getting uh, clear commitments from businesses, not just from countries, to align with the Paris 1.5 agreement. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the recommendations could be is that uh, they have to be more responsible yes. with their business practices, uh -huh. but you need to come up with a concrete policy, mm -hmm. if not a law, yes. that would punish them if they uh, deliberately yes. ignore uh -huh. the impact of uh, global warming. Uh -huh. And not just that, um, you said earlier that um, this also kind of demonizes the fossil fuel companies. Because that's it's that's what they think, they, they were thinking before, no? Yeah, yeah. They I were being portrayed as the bad guys, the right? said the term is mm -hmm. big polluters. Yeah. But they are big polluters. They are, um, because um, science has proven. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, I was going to say that uh, this... This, is, this also has impacts on investments. Um, so, for example, if you look at uh, fossil fuel companies and who are investing in, uh, in them, so stockholders, etc. If there is a moral imperative now to shift away from fossil fuels and stop investing in, in technology that actually creates suffering of people that would impact the whole of humanity, um, then these investments also need to change. Um, so it's not just the businesses themselves that need to change uh, where they invest, okay? They need to stop new extraction, they need to um, do a rapid shift away from uh, fossil fuels, shift to renewable energy, but also it's a message to their investors to stop investing in fossil fuels because it's proven um, 
science has proven, and now there is legal basis to say that um, their activities are harmful for people. Okay. Mm. Now, I think the next uh, important point that I'd like to, to ask you about is this. So, the, you have the decision now coming from the CHR, but how do you make use of that to somehow educate and inform not just the public in general, but our policymakers to make them understand that, uh, hey, everybody now is talking about the impact of global warming, of climate change, but this particular connection that was established by science and by the CHR ruling, how can this prompt them or mm. educate them more? Yeah, um, so one of the prayers um, in the petition um, is also to uh, spur the CHR, to ask the CHR to ensure that this is uh, there is wide um, EIC, education and information um, drives around this, mm. yeah, around this, uh, the findings. Um, and uh, from for our part, from for the part of uh, Greenpeace and other campaigning agencies, uh, we feel that this is a very uh, solid basis. It's a foundation for us to continue our campaign, not just through legal channels, but also through um, lobbying um, our senators, our policymakers, um, lobbying LGUs. Um, we've done a lot of that work uh, to convince LGUs to support this case. Um, so there are already several LGUs that um, support uh, the petition. L like um, what LGUs? Local um, government units? Okay. Yes. Um, so that's example. Uh, like um, Palo Leite, for example, um, Baguio. Um, they have issued um, declarations um, that support uh, the petition um, and several others. Uh, and uh, we think that this is uh, powerful because um, moving forward from that, uh, for example, uh, affected uh, provinces or municipalities which are very much affected by climate impacts um, can now move forward and just uh, it's not declarations anymore of support for the petitions but actual uh, cases or actual ordinances mm -hmm. uh, that support uh, the petition so for example uh, for example for on a national level it could be uh, putting um, climate change uh, Climate change is part of the curriculum and knowing about, you know, what are the impacts um, and who are responsible. Um, for uh, um, one of the prayers um, in our petition also is for local governments to monitor um, these human rights violations. So it's a climate change desk, for example, the way we have a women's desk or a women's and children's desk in barangays. So we'll basically to, uh, to put it front and center of the uh, discussions also. Yes. I'm curious um, also because... in. In the West, despite the uh, the volumes of science or data that are available to the public, to the public, you still have uh, a small chunk of deniers. How about in the Philippines? Do you still encounter them? Yes, um, there are still deniers in the Philippines. Some of them are in newspapers. Yeah, um, but um, I think um, climate denial is so old. It's not. Uh, it's it's really already debunked uh, because of all the um, scientific uh, body of work, of studies um, that really uh, really say uh, that um, climate change is caused by anthropogenic uh, um, activities. Do you yeah. still encounter uh, deniers coming from, let's say, among legislators, local officials? Um, I wouldn't say that we encounter yeah, deniers from government. Uh, but from the government? Uh, 
Um, not that I know of <laughs> currently. Um, it's just that um, I would say, uh, to put it mildly, it's um, it's just hard to convince um, some uh, government officials or some policymakers that you know um, climate change is a challenge that really needs to be addressed as a priority. Um, but I think um, they won't say outright that they don't believe in climate change. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, thank you very much, uh, Leia Guerrero, for joining us on this podcast. And congratulations on that case that you won before the Philippine Commission on Human Rights. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, the, the victory goes to all the communities um, in the Philippines. And I think also the, um, the next steps are now the most crucial. Thank okay. you very much. For Thank you very much, Leah. Thank, yeah. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode. Catch us again next week for another edition of the Matters of Fact podcast. Thank you.